Hey, it's all our now once again, the fine listeners to the Irish in Sweden podcast from Lulio in the north to Malmo down in the south. I hope yous are all well. Uh, as I'm recording this, it's the day before it comes out. And I was talking to John Carroll down in Skeona yesterday morning and he was telling me he was sitting in his uh, sundown slash TV room down there on the south coast. And he was telling me uh, he had plenty to do like we all do of a Saturday, but... Um, he was very much enjoying uh, his time there in the sunshine early yesterday morning, about quarter past nine, I was talking to him. John is, of course, very involved in the Viking Gales hurling, and if you're into your hurling or your camogie at all, these are very good times in the Nordic region. John is trying to get it going, and he's looking for support. He's looking for recognition for the Viking Gales as a hurling club, and uh, hopefully he's going to be having a meeting out at the embassy soon to get a little bit of movement from the GAA, because... The Viking Gales has a very proud history, but because it's made up of the players from different clubs in the Nordic region, right? we have plenty of footballers, but we don't have that many hurlers. And John brings them all under the Viking Gales umbrella, if you like, to, to compete. And they've won tournaments in Europe, and they've won rounds in Europe, and that kind of crack as well. So, um, But there's not exactly the level of recognition that's necessary. But keep your eye out uh, for what John is up to, and for what Michelle Cotter is up to with the camogie here in Stockholm. And indeed, over in Finland, things are happening there. In Tampere, the Hammer Gales are playing hurling over there. And I know the Helsinki Harps are having a few hurling training sessions. So it's all starting to happen with the small ball boys and girls. And of course, the great Owen Sheedy and Declan Graham back in the day where people are absolutely instrumental along with John in getting all of this going. I hope you're very well. I hope you're enjoying the first lovely, sunshiny, warm weekend. Right? We've had a few of those weekends where it was the sun was shining, it was lovely and that kind of thing, but it cut the schnot off you out there. Uh, so I hope you've been able to get out and enjoy that. There are loads of things happening in the community. It's almost hard to keep up with what's going on all over Sweden. Um, last week I dropped a podcast in the middle of the week there because the supermarket art fair was taking place here in uh, Statscores Terminal and near Slussen. Uh, go back and have a listen to that, especially if you're into the creative arts and that kind of thing. I got to talk to some wonderful Irish artists about some really great, intriguing works. That exhibition is now finishing just as I'm talking to you. But it was brilliant. And hopefully more of those artists will be back again to be showing their wares. I think um, Alana Robbins was telling me that she's going to be doing an exhibition in Hudiksvall. So we'll have a, a chat with her when that's uh, approaching because it's great to get these things outside of Stockholm as well and give people in our community who aren't in the big cities a chance to see what's going on. Then, of course, you had Spuds and Sill here in Stockholm they had their performances of Dancing at Lunasa by Brian Freel over the weekend and I believe they were sold out. There was murder trying to get tickets for it and four tickets became available last night and there was people queuing up to get them. Nobody wanted to see Loreen winning the Eurovision. Everybody wanted to get to see Spuds and Sill doing their thing. So I believe it was hugely successful. And James would be great to get, it to, to get that to go on the road, to go to Malmö, to go to Gothenburg and put on some English language theatre in, in these places. So if you've any interest in that... Um, Peter Miller is your contact down below there in Malmö for the Swedish Irish Society and I'm sure Peter is well aware of what's going on there but if you have any ability to help out on that front I would strongly suggest getting in touch with Peter or maybe with Chris over in Gothenburg Chris O'Neill over in Gothenburg there and um and just yeah, get these things on the road and that kind of thing. We will get to our interview for this week in a second. And again, it's very much to do with creativity. Not so much to do with art, but uh, very much to do with creativity. But before I do that, right, if you check in the show notes, right, you're going to find links to two GoFundMes, right? One you would have heard last week when the magical Gary Lavelle came down to the studio and talked to me about his business and construction in Sweden and how quantity surveying isn't a thing, but he's going to make it a thing. But he also talked about his uh, three-peak challenge for Garrod's smile. And his GoFundMe is going quite well. 
uh, but always more money is needed. Garrow Smile is a charity set up back home. Uh, Gary is from Ackle Island. It's set up in County Mayo, I believe, for a young man who passed away or a young child who passed away uh, after a battle with cancer. And it just provides respite for families who are in that situation. And the idea is to collect enough money to be able to send a family to Legoland down below in Denmark. So if you're listening to this and you have a few bob to spare and you haven't yet contributed, please pop in uh, to Gary's GoFundMe. You'll find it in the show notes. So on Spotify or Podbean or whatever you're listening to, uh, uh, whatever you listen to the podcast on you'll find a little link down there in the description of what the show is about click on that go and throw in a few bob if you can and the other one that i'd love you to have uh a look at and throw in the price of a pint or a cup of coffee or an extra few bob if you have it is for our good friend Graham Reggie Reynolds down below there in Bro. now you would have heard last year how Graham uh, is, he's a brilliant brilliant fisherman and fly fisherman makes his own flies that kind of thing competitively and that and he did so well last year that he's actually been picked for the Swedish national fly fishing team which is absolutely huge right you know it means he's basically one of the best anglers in Sweden now needless to say it's not the best funded sport so him and the team are going down to the World Championships and they're looking for funding. They need about 5,000 euros or about 50,000 Swedish crowns and so far they have about 10% of that so I'm really hoping that the Irish community here, especially the business community and those of you who are sitting on a slightly bigger pot of money than maybe the average individual is. If you're an individual you can throw in a 5 or 10 or 50 quid please do, right? But if you're a business and you really want to support a member of our community in their sporting endeavours. Reggie's a great man to do it. Very active on the TikTok and on YouTube and that kind of thing. So he'll get you plenty of uh, of exposure for your business if that's what you're looking for. And you know what? Maybe you're not looking for that at all. Maybe you're just looking to support a decent Irish guy. Himself and his wife, Malena, run the Irish store down there in Orebro. So even if you have employees in this country, uh, they may not know it, but um, Marlon and Reggie are, are two people who've been doing their thing, bringing us the Hunky Dory's crisps and the various different errand sauces and chocolates and all sorts of things for your staff and for your friends and for your family especially around Easter and Christmas time and that kind of thing so please do go in and have a look at those two uh, GoFundMes if you can and uh, and support them and then if there's anything left in the kitty boys and girls you can always support this podcast patreon.com forward slash arrowman in Stockholm I haven't read out the swish number in a few weeks because I couldn't find it but uh, and I'd, I'd always start without writing a script here so but this time I managed to pluck it out right uh, the swish number for the show 123 2424166 that's 123 2424166 right grab the phone now if you have swish in it Swish to one two three two four two four one six six, and my absolutely masterful accountants there at my business controller RB. I know that some of you use them already. They've set it up so that that goes in there. The VAT is paid. All the taxes are paid. It goes through the books and everything. Uh, so it's all done above board and everything and that helps me uh, to keep bringing you these shows every week so uh, if you could possibly do that support the show in any way that'd be brilliant if you can't that's fine we've all been in that boat where we didn't have a few bob to spare but then I'd ask you please share the podcast if you can and I think you're going to want to share the one that you're about to hear right um, because this week's guest is a magic guy from Dublin called Gavin Boland, right? Gavin is one of these extremely stylish individuals. You know the kind of fellow who could turn up the end of his trousers and not look like a gobshite? Yeah, that's the kind of lad that Gavin is, right? Really great understanding of, of fashion and of culture and of music. He's just way cooler than I would ever dream of trying to be, right? But he's also an extremely intelligent and creative guy who's working for uh, Absolute Vodka, right? So he's working as their innovation manager in a global role which is an amazing thing for a young Irish man of 33 years of age to be doing right he has an amazing freedom to go and do the kind of things that are going to be seen in advertising campaigns and on liquor store shelves and in hotel bars all over the world so 
I asked him actually a long time ago if he'd come on the podcast and he was too modest. He was going, no, no, I haven't done anything yet kind of thing. And then a couple of weeks ago, he was going, do you know what? I think I have a few things to tell you. And by God, does he not disappoint. So we sat down in the absolute offices the other week and we had this chat that I'm about to bring you now. And this is Gavin Boland talking about his global role uh, with a global brand, an absolutely iconic Swedish brand around the world and what he does be doing for them. I'll be back to you after this chat with Gavin Boland. Boland, of all the episodes of the Irish and Sweden podcast that I have made, this is probably the nicest surroundings I've been in. Can you explain to me where we are and what you do here from Monday to Friday? Yeah, well, we're overlooking the uh, the water of Lilliholmen, uh, where you can look over and see Hornstuhl and Sudermam. And you're in the top two floors of the Absolute Company and Perna Ricard Sweden. So it's, uh, yeah, I think it's one of their nicest offices they have around the world. And they have offices in... Uh, New York and London and uh, all over, but this is a pretty nice one. And how did a man from Dublin end up in this particular office here, uh, selling vodka to Swedes and to people around the world? Yeah, well, uh, it's actually a unique story, but um, I suppose, yeah, I've always been super interested in food. Um, Studied food science in DIT and then did a master's in nutrition in in Chester and got really into sports nutrition and so on, but... uh, Really then when I got to Sweden, I, I started transitioning my career more into really passionate about innovation, developing mm. new products. And this role came up and uh, I think I just sort of ticked the boxes for those guys of what they were looking for. And now I'm part of a uh, an innovation team here at Absolute where we, uh, as a team, there's five of us, uh, we lead the development of new products. So the flavours and the bottle designs for Absolute globally. Mm. Now, this wasn't your first job when you got to Sweden, right? How long are you here now? Is it three years? Three, three and a half years. Yeah. January 1st, 2020, just in time for the pandemic. Lovely. So I was here two months, met a few lads, and then everything changed. Um, but now three and a half years, and I'm with Absolute now just over a year. Yeah. So before that, I was with uh, Oriflame Cosmetics, who actually they're R&D is in Bray in Ireland yeah. and that's they were the ones who actually relocated me to Sweden uh, I was looking for a change in my career and I sort of told them look no hard feelings but I'm looking for a change and it was actually them who turned around uh, to be fair my manager at the time a really nice guy Garrett uh, he was like oh, leave it with me and I'll see what I can do and he spoke to a few other people and then uh, within about two months time another a person who hired me Tanya uh, approached me for a role here in Sweden and that's how ultimately it came about because beforehand with Oriflame I used to fly back and forth to Stockholm so I've mm. stayed in nearly every uh, hotel in the city every Scandic every Clarion uh, from before for five years flying back and forth but now uh, yeah fully based in Sudermalm and living here three and a half years and when they say that like was was Stockholm sort of top of your list then when you said you were looking for a change in your career you know did you go oh yeah I wouldn't mind living there because you'd obviously you knew a little bit of the city from staying in all these Scandic hotels right I think y- you have a one perception definitely uh, I think you know you come over and you see like it's very clean people are really nice but you're obviously coming over in a work capacity yeah. so I think people are also putting on that uh they're showing you the nicest restaurants. They're showing you the nicest bars. You're staying in very nice business class hotels. You know, yeah. you're just up breakfast and leave. There's nothing, you know, it's not a holiday. Um, but you are like, you know, you're working till six, seven in the evening. Then you're going for a, a work dinner or work drinks or networking event. So I had that perception of a really nice clean city that I always felt safe in. 
And uh, then when I was looking for a change in 2019, uh, it, it wasn't the top of my list, I wouldn't say. I, I've been always actually really drawn to either London or New York. Mm. Um, uh, but then, you know, when an opportunity arises where it's almost too good to be true, they're like, yeah, we'll fly over and this and help you get settled and blah, blah. You're like, yeah, it's a pretty good offer. I can't uh, really turn it down. Um, so here I am. Plus, I sort of said to you guys, I was looking for something else and, and you came up with this, so I kind of feel I have to. To, to be fair to them, they were like, look, we don't want to lose you and, uh, you know, th this, is a, this is a role that will help you transition your career to go more from the scientific side into the business side. Because mm. um, uh, that's where I've always, uh, that's where I learned from starting out my career from working in a laboratory in, in Wexford was my first job after college. Um, I sort of learned like, oh, I really like the, the technical side of the job, but actually, I really like being people focused and like meeting people and mm. sales and and actually sort of combining uh, developing a product with the intent to make money for the business. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's all well and good. Like, as you say, in any industry, you can make the world's best product, but if it's too expensive, no one will buy it. Mm. So uh, understanding the consumer and, and all about that. Uh, if you if I can combine the two of product development and consumer focus, uh, mm. it's a win-win for me. It actually surprised me, and I mean this in the best possible way. When I first met you, I had you sort of down as one of these, you know, not exactly Dublin for, but a marketing type, somebody who understood markets and communication, that kind of thing. And I was surprised then to do, to find out that your background is more scientific than sales related. You know, um, is there? sort of a link still between the two. I know you work with innovation at the moment, and part of that is finding new ways uh, to do, the, not the same things, but new ways to discover and to package and to, to process and these kinds of things. Do you find that the two dovetail, that your sort of personality and your education dovetail in this role? I think uh, it's a perfect marriage for me. Um, like, I think that is often where we see the challenge now if we're trying to hire people as well. You look for the, the combination of people who are creative and looking for the technical aspect of understanding the product and shelf life and mixing certain ingredients and so on, or then design and how, how a bottle can really speak to a consumer. Um, but if you can't communicate, communicate that across to a leadership team mm. or a bunch of vice presidents or directors, you're snookered. Yeah. Like uh, if you can't sell your idea, you're gone. Yeah. And I've seen that throughout my career. I've seen guys been able to develop some of the best products, but they can't sell them. And vice versa, I've seen guys sell sand to, <laughs> to people living in the <laughs> desert. Like, as in, you know, and there's people out there, you really meet them, like, uh, who are built for that role. Yeah. Like, they're unbelievable, like, but they're also the people that, it's not for me, like, I could never work in an industry or a job where I sell something I don't personally believe in. Yeah. I, it's, that's actually my idea of a nightmare. Like got guys going around selling door to door catalog stuff or in that like, yeah, and that's sort of where I saw you know sort of late twenties where my career was sort of going. I was working in the food supplement industry, and at the time it was very scientifically backed, and I loved the idea of you know developing products that were going into Premier League football teams, and really I was really passionate about it. And then we had the explosion of social media and reality TV shows, and then every reality TV star had a supplement brand, yeah, and I was like, oh these guys haven't got a clue what they're doing and they, but they're all you know they're just putting their names or brands and stuff yeah and i fell out of love with the industry overnight did they then sort of because what tends to happen is somebody comes along and goes okay i'll take celebrity x and i'll give all my instagram influence or money to them and then they squeeze everybody else out of the market and it's not necessarily the best product it's just the one with the fattest wallet is it it's all, like for example i'll give you the biggest one that really sort of 
triggered it for me was there's a TV show called Geordie Shore, yeah. the English version of Jersey Shore, basically. And there was a couple of guys in that, and uh, they all credit to them. They uh, went down the TV show for a couple of weeks, came out, and then brands were thrown thousands of pounds at them to put their names to whatever it was, protein shakes, fat burners, all of this stuff. Very little scientific evidence behind them. Um, that then diminishes the whole market. Yeah. So like, for example, if I meet you just randomly uh, on the side of a football pitch or at a bar and you're like, oh, what industry are you working? And then you're like, oh, you know, like magic beans you're selling. <laughs> like, like, and it gets to that stage where you're just like, I'm not having this conversation again. Yeah. Like, as in like, or like uh, people, you know, and then it, it depends on what generation you're talking to. People are like, oh, is that like uh, Weight Watchers or is that like Slim Fast? Or, mm. you know, it's like, it gets to the point where you're like, I don't really feel like, uh, I have to explain this. Like I've worked hard enough to mm. to transition, and then when I when I saw the role with Absolute or or brands like this, where it's it's truly just about premiumization. It's purely about selling a really high quality product made in one part of the world that you can really stand behind. You're like, yeah, like we're, we're actually selling a really good product that's made in Sweden. That's like like we don't even talk about the the really cool stuff that we do. Um, that like people just take for granted. Like yeah. like uh, what, what we had a. We had a meeting there a little while ago. It's like every bottle of Absolute has fifty-two percent recycled glass, and no one even comes close. Yeah, like, it w but uh, we have these experts here who have in Sweden for the last like twenty years. They're doing crazy stuff, and it's just super cool to see people who are like really passionate about like sustainability and these cool things. It really makes you like, uh, like, like the career. Like you know, you see stuff like. Um, oh brands they've stopped the you know what's really big in whiskey or so on where they talk about the exterior packaging yeah absolute stopped doing that like nearly 10 years ago or something yeah like just because they didn't want to do more paper or blah 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 You're like all oh, right like they're just that makes sense you know yeah. like scandinavian sort of mindset where it's just like we don't need to talk about it we're just going to do it yeah like and uh sometimes i think uh, if they talked about it a bit more it might be to their advantage but that's the thing right so um, there's a line in the Bible about, a Bible about not hiding your talent under a bushel, right? And it always struck me that, you know, if my first memory of seeing the Absolute brand at all was some rock band guy wearing a T-shirt with basically the Absolute, the blue logo, and then the thing, right? Yeah. Iconic. We didn't even know what that was in the 80s in Ireland. People yeah. still drank, you know, Powers and that kind of thing, you know? But we went, my God, that's something. Oh, you need to know what that is. And then that became a thing. Like, you know, so yeah. through that it became a thing. And you're nodding at me here as if you're well aware of this part of the brand story, exactly. yeah? But uh, for me, that like uh, I remember my my interview here. As a guy, he's actually no longer here. His name was Henrik, and he was like, well, "Why why do you want to work for Absolute?" And I just remember, I was like, "If you want to work with innovation, and in the alcohol industry, like it doesn't get any better than working yeah. for Absolute." Like, uh, like the the famous adverts of the eighties. Like, like the, we're in an office here where like uh, Andy Warhol painted uh, like uh, pictures for. Um, for absolute Keith Haring painted pictures for uh, like these are like some of the world's biggest artists they still set, sell their merchandise today yeah and um like that's where absolute was they were supporting artists and supporting lgbtq plus like communities back in the 80s first brand to ever uh, buy ads in uh, gay magazines and so on like mm. back in the 80s like and that's a huge uh, like it makes me quite privileged that like you know this brand is huge and it was long established before I got here and it'll be long established when I leave but uh, it's really cool to just like the the idea of maybe I could add 1% to this company or yeah. innovate something that could go down in uh, like do you remember that time uh, they launched that product in 2025 or mm. something like and I had a a 1% play in that there's a huge team here it's a huge engine yeah. um, so it, it's a real team effort here in, uh, in absolute but it's a uh, 
it's really cool to be part of, I would say. How old are you now? You're 33, are you? Yeah, 33. 30, okay. 34 in the summer. 34 in the summer. We'll say nothing, you're getting old. Like you <laughs> said. Because the reason I'm asking that question is because your generation of people younger than you, the way, now this is the Alpha 51 speaking here, right? It seems to me that it's much more important to you to work for a company like this that you share the values of, that you believe in, that you feel you can contribute to, rather than this is the place that's going to pay me the most money, right? So when I left school in 1989, it was like, okay, it was the civil service, it was the dole office or the boat kind of thing and you were happy to get any job and the idea of weighing up a brand's values never came into it is that something that you're very conscious of when you took that job here that hold on a second this is not just a great company an innovative company but I also agree with the, the way they see the world definitely now more so than ever and even like the generation younger than me like the talent Phil is just unbelievable is it yeah like we like the, there's guys starting in the in our team like 23, 24 and the stuff they're doing is unbelievable. Yeah. Like, it's real talent coming through. Like, and the level of uh, technical savvy, I would say, is unbelievable yeah. in terms of what, what people can do with the, like, just like their sort of pastimes and hobbies in terms of like, just simple stuff like Photoshop and pulling stuff together. Two, three minutes, bang. Yeah. Like, I'm saying, oh, I think I have this idea of how a bottle could look for this specific market. And then they have it sketched out in three, four minutes. And you're like, oh, okay. Like, that's a total different level to where I was at 23. Um, But that's what makes it exciting. You're learning from each other all the time. Um, So, no, it definitely has made an outlook on my career, more so than when I was younger. I would say when I was younger, I graduated the height of the recession. So it was like I was job bridge scheme. Yeah, uh, working for free basically. Thanks, then, John Borton. Yeah, yeah, and then it was like you know it was that that's where it was like every every single one of my friends was gone to Australia, but I was like, at the time I I was dating a girl and stuff, and I was like, no, I'm gonna stay in Ireland, and that that's what I wanted to do, um, but it was just a big challenge, I would say, uh, as I grew through my career and got more experienced, uh, you know, you become more and more aware of these brands that stand for something. Yeah. and really want to do stuff and and that's where my focus became more so of when I was going through LinkedIn or going through indeed uh, job ads I was sort of saying like okay yeah these are the favorites these are the ones I'm setting the alerts for yeah, yeah. on LinkedIn like when a job pops up this is what I want to do and um uh Kev O'Neill who were, was in this building he worked for Pernod Car Sweden with Jemison yes uh so like uh, when you would speak with him and speaking about like it being a good employer and and so on uh, that's when I was like, okay, this is a company I want to work for. Yeah. Uh, and that's then, you know, he obviously w- works with a different brand and in a different company ultimately. Um, but it's the same overarching big, uh, big company. So uh, when you hear good, uh, good things coming from good people, it definitely gets your attention. Mm. Um, in terms of what you do, right, you, you're obviously here Monday to Friday, but maybe it's one of those wages companies where you show up whenever you like kind of thing, but what's your actual role here now? Because I was talking to somebody uh, a good few years ago who was talking about creativity, and he said to me, I work about 10 minutes a day. He said, I sit at the, the desk and I drink. But literally, in terms of actual work, about 10 minutes a day. Are you one of these lucky people who just gets to sit in your chamber and stroke your non-existent beard and go, okay? Uh, absolutely not. <laughs> <laughs> now we are a very fast-moving global brand. And uh, there's no resting on your laurels in absolute. Um, it's very dynamic. And it's a lot of projects. And so, for example, I'm in a global role. So in the morning so this morning for example I had a call with China at 8am 
in the afternoon I could speak with the UK European team and in the evening I can speak with North America yeah. and then in between I have my own projects separate from those guys so you're constantly your day is constantly uh, moving and adjusting um, and uh, just like everything uh, not everything goes to plan uh, the fires pop all the time you need to put out or you know fr from everything like uh, you could design something uh, w with a great external agency but then when it comes to taking it from the computer to real life it doesn't work mm. um, or so I basically work with everything to do with the bottle so for example I don't do anything with social media or communications or my whole job and my whole career is about the liquid inside the bottle and the glass bottle itself ultimately what the consumer gets yeah and that's what I'm passionate about I love like uh, I I'm the person who buys, you know, the new flavors of Coca-Cola or the new flavors of Fanta or something. I'm interested in like bottle designs and uh, flavors and different ingredients and energy drinks and everything uh, that you see like uh, a lot of change in the industry. Yeah. Um, so, so what I'm the same is basically looking to put uh, a bit of boldness in the industry, like change it up, do different things and uh, try to attract new consumers. Um, uh, or ultimately, there's a, Absolute has a very loyal consumer base to try to give them something new and exciting that they haven't tried before. Because yeah. it, it is that consumer base where people like to like to try new things or collect bottles is a big thing as well. Yeah. Um, has a very loyal collector base as well. So it's really nice to give them something they've never seen before. Mm. You're the brand expert here now, so correct me when I, if I'm wrong, right? But I remember when Absolute Citroën came out, the lemon version of it. That to me, I think, is the, certainly the first variant that I remember, right? This is a very iconic bottle, right? Yeah. Everybody knows. If you know logo on it and you put the, a picture of the bottle, I'm going to know that's an Absolute yeah. bottle. How restraining is that? How much freedom do you have to take that and shake it up and mess around with it to make it look different. Some of the iconic ones you really don't touch. <laughs> as, in, as in like, uh, and to the point where like some of the, like the big core products are basically owned by my boss. Yeah. Like uh, they're, so basically Absolute was the first uh, brand. There was a few uh, brands before it, but Absolute was one of the first ones to really uh, popularize the flavored vodka. And the first was 1986 with Pepar, yeah. uh, which was made purely for Bloody Marys. Yeah. The Bloody Mary was exploding and Absolute created a pepper vodka uh, specifically to, to help bartenders make a, a sort of, a, how do you say, a standardized Bloody Mary across the industry. And then Citroën was developed um, a couple of years later, purely for the Cosmopolitan. Yeah. Uh, so once again, for bartenders to try and standardize and create a very, very good, fresh Cosmopolitan. So that's where they sort of come from. And now what we're doing, so they're very sort of drink focused products. Uh, so now we are we look at trying to do the same um there's lots of flavors out there but they're they're intended to be made with for specific drinks and for people to also play around so but that's that's the cool part of my career um but uh, absolute is uh yeah it's a, it's, it's a huge uh, it's a huge <laughs> It's amazing you turn this on to. Oh, that's Polly Black calling me now. One of the the big fans of the podcast, and he called me in the middle of this. I, I thought I had it on Do Not Disturb there, but we're not going to let that disturb us. I'm just going to switch it off here. Um, but that's 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 a cool part of, of working with Absolute. But um, I would say, like uh, you know, you can't. I'm no no brand expert. There's people who are here. 30 years yeah and they're real experts they I'm, remember every step on the way i'm very new to this company and uh, there's a lot to learn like as in and especially with it with a such an iconic brand you can't just go playing around with stuff it's yeah. like it's like uh, it's like working with someone like nike or like you know like uh, th this brand has a big following big heritage a very premium product as in you don't just uh, 
put anything out there and hope it hits yeah. with the market. It has to be vetted, approved, really, al- along with what we want to give our consumer. So in that instance, it's very challenging for um, for someone who works in product innovation. But it's a, it's a challenge I really like. Mm. Is, is that the sort of the essential conflict, right? You know, we talk about conflict being at the heart of all great drama, right? So you have this, somebody's walking around here with a big thick book of brand guidelines and colours and dimensions for logos and what can be placed close to it and what can't and this kind of thing. Do you find yourself arguing a lot with those people going, please, can I change this? Or is that just the Bible? Is that just set in stone? That's set in stone for every for every big company. Yeah. You can, you can, you can, like everyone, you want to push the boundaries, but there's certain things you just never change, and yeah. that you have to respect that. Like uh, that—that's w- what uh, people who've gone way before me have worked so hard to create. Yeah, uh, they worked so hard to make this brand what it is today. You can't just start tearing it apart because you think it would look cool. Yeah. Uh, so you have to respect that and where it comes from and the heritage behind it. Like, like I would say, it's not just vodka; it's it's, it's absolute vodka, and it, like it's a big deal. Like it's made in one factory in one site yeah. like in south of Sweden and like like there's no one that can even come close to that like uh, so every drop of absolute in the world comes from the one place yeah in Aarhus in yeah. Sweden and like uh, you know it's pretty incredible when you go and see it like uh, like it's such a community supported brand that like that they support the farmers all locally and uh, like they have such a uh, a tight knit community and network of, of creating everything that uh like, like it really makes you feel proud. Like you, we have a, an absolute academy where you can go and learn about the brand for three, four days. You get to meet the farmers and you get to see like that they check the pH of their soil. Like you check the like, but you not the raw material. You actually check where how where the raw material is grown. Yeah. Like a million other brands can only dream of that level of uh, traceability, yeah. uh, where we have it in place already, um, and that's why like it's. Like it's a bartender's dream, absolute original, because uh, it's so clean and fresh that they can just mess around it and put it in a million different drinks. Yeah. You can't really do that with many others. Like many other vodkas, like they say they can, but they can't. Yeah, it's not. Uh, it's why it's usually a bartender's favorite. Yeah. Uh, there's a guy called Shay Houlihan who used to live here in Stockholm and he uh, started a distillery in Helsinki a few years ago and obviously if you're making whiskey it has to be aged for five years and now we're seeing the thing now with celebrities where they come out with vodkas and whiskies and that kind of thing you know um, w- Absolute as a brand is it seen in the rest of the world do people know it's a Swedish company is it important to Absolute to be seen as a Swedish company I would say so and I think it's very closely knit with Sweden yeah. um, and it was just released there I think it was last week or the week week before it's the seventh uh, best uh, Swedish brand to work with or something like is this. it yeah. I th- I th- it was just released to Spotify and stuff are up there yeah um, but absolutely was a number seven um, it has a very strong association with Sweden yeah. always has and even the way it's spelt like absolutely yeah ab- so that like uh, it has a strong and also we have uh, some specific flavors are spelt in sort of the the Swedish way yeah. so um, no uh, it's very it's very much uh, Swedish vodka and uh, even now we have country of Sweden embossed into the glass. So um, no, I think it's very proud to be a, a Swedish brand, and I think people are very proud to buy it. Depends on what market, of course. Yeah. Uh, some markets are very um, loyal to their own homegrown brands, but uh, especially in emerging markets or um, markets that are quite new to the alcohol, uh, or like uh, say markets where cocktails are growing. Yeah. Uh, absolutes 
definitely front and center in the bar. Yeah. Um, just like you said, like Citroën, people know it's it's been in movies or it sort of blew up in Sex and the City because the Cosmo becomes a very popular drink in that in that TV series mm-hmm. and the Cosmo originally is absolute. So like uh, people become like, oh, if you want a Cosmo, like you, you kind of, if you, if you're a very straightforward bar that does a very straightforward, like this is, this is, uh, how do you say, sticks to the original recipe. Yeah. You have to go absolute citron. It's, a, it's not just vodka and lemon. It's no, absolute citron. Exactly. Yeah. So that, that's where it's a, like, for example, where my ambition would be is like, if I could create something that becomes that level where it's like, go. It's just accepted. It's canon. It's it, part of. It this, needs yeah. to be that drink to make that cocktail. Yeah. Like that's a that's a really good ambition. I think to have um, to to sort of break that boundary. Drinks go in trends all of the time. Yeah. Uh, you know, for example, if you walk around now on a spring day, you'll see lots of Aperol spritz. That's yeah. becoming a big drink uh, in the industry. You're seeing uh, big drives towards uh, low alcohol drinks, uh, alcohol free. Um, so, yeah, you just have to, you don't have to follow the trends, but you have to be very conscious of them. Yeah. How do you do that? Because, like you say, um, I remember a few years ago, Captain Morgan's just became this huge thing in the rum world, you know? You have Conor McGregor pushing proper 12 for all sorts of stuff as well. Uh, where do you see these things? Because you mentioned your background is food. So you see trends, you know, in terms of street food. You see, ter- uh, you know, Asian food. It might be bad, might be whatever. How do you keep on top of all that? And where do you find the inspiration for the things that you try to create? It, it's everything it's it's paying close attention yourself uh, we also have a, a brilliant consumer insights team here mm-hmm. in, in absolute that, that are constantly uh, keeping their ear to the ground we obviously have teams all over the world that sort of share feedback um, and sort of you know you, you see the rise and and fall of certain things you know some things can just be a quick flash in the pan like a TikTok trend that like people are oh they make this drink but we're not going to jump on it like uh, that's just a TikTok trend um, what you want is longevity and to develop something authentically. Like what I would say is you see definitely influence from big um, other industries. So like um, the biggest marriage is like uh, the food industry. So for yeah. example, right now, Mexican food is, is big. Yeah. Uh, it's getting big. So you see like the, the rise of taco trucks and blah, blah, blah. So for example, what comes with that is Mexican drinks yeah. um, and Mexican culture and, and uh, you know, it, it's the same then we see like um, then we see areas of, of the food industry that uh, that then grow. So, for example, uh, it could be a very standard restaurant, for for example, McDonald's, and then all of a sudden they have like a spicy range, like spicy chicken nuggets and blah blah yeah. blah. And then it's like, oh, it turns out there's a big demand now for spiciness. So maybe it's a spicy drink we want to offer our consumer yeah. that they haven't had before. So you just sort of have to keep your ear to the ground, um, and then uh, either react quick or not react as in we're either going to play in this area or we're not. Yeah. And uh, that's not a decision for me. That's uh, people above me that would make those decisions. I'm sort of the the person who uh, tries to activate their decision-making, yeah. let's say, you know. They, they get to decide what the big picture is and then you go and work within that. Exactly, you know? and that's why they're in their role and I'm in my role. Yeah. Ultimately, the ambition is to get there one day, but... Uh, yeah, they're, they're, you're talking about people who've worked in the drinks or food industry for years and very good, efficient. Uh, like what the the biggest thing I've learned since uh, getting here is, uh, you know, a problem comes up and you'll go with the solution A, B, C, and then, you know, my boss will turn around and like, have you considered D and E? Like, th- there's more options that I haven't. <laughs> and you seen. go, there's two more. <laughs> exactly, exactly. So I think in that instance, uh, in that instance, you know you really see where expertise pays off and why these people are in their positions. Um, 
but yeah, I think uh, I'm quite ambitious. So the ultimate goal is to get to that point. Um, so that's that's where you see uh, making those strategic moves and fast reactive decisions, but also the long term plays. Like uh, Absolute was like that, an innovator in, in flavored vodkas, and and we continue to innovate. So we've short, medium, and long term goals of where we want to be, and innovation covers everything from flavors to glass to sustainability to you know everything in between the, the guys in the factory are doing crazy stuff i think we've one of the most sustainable factories in the world yeah uh, and and they're they don't once again they don't rest on their laurels then next step next step like uh yeah absolutely will will not go away anytime soon we actually remember when you just moved over here and you were still working for oriflame but absolute at the beginning of the pandemic were the first to uh, to go into hand sanitizer. They went, okay, we have the raw materials here. Let's do this because this is what the country needs at the time. And it was really quick. And it was like, they were just so far out in front of everybody else. And, you know, you can only be first. If you're not first, yeah. you know, you can do it second. Nobody cares when that happens. And, of course, the whole world saw, okay, Absolute are doing this thing and there's a great brand value to be had. What's the biggest lesson you've learned since you got here, would you say? Uh, especially now as I'm getting into my 30s you can't put a value on a really good network mm. uh, and getting to know people and really you know I don't mean to curse but when you're in the shit to have the right people beside you to get you out yeah uh, I think and that's both in life and in your career uh, I put a big value on like having some good friends but good colleagues as well is a big help and just you know like uh, like that I wasn't here for the pandemic but I heard they did great things but also just like that like uh, you know, some projects go so smooth. You're like, almost. <laughs> what did we? Yeah, this you know? is easy. Like, is it like yeah. I don't know what? Uh, yeah, what the uh, the issue is, and then there's some projects where it just you, everything seems to. It's just know, cursed. Where, but just <laughs> it, like even just little things, like oh, the deli- something got lost in the delivery, or something is uh, one day late. Which you know, you're talking about this huge behemoth of a brand that uh, is constantly churning. Yeah. And uh, you know, if something is late a day, it's big. Throws yeah. everything off. Like, like yeah. uh, absolute original produced three bottles a second in the factory. A lot of Do you know what I mean? There, yeah. Like uh, it's the it's the Sweden's number one food export in the world. Yeah, it's the biggest export coming out of Sweden. You and know, any stop there, any anything so, that goes wrong. So, but now you can imagine at that capacity, they have huge uh, production lines, and uh, so it's not. But like for example, if I'm trying to squeeze in an innovation somewhere, and then I'm like, oh, sorry guys. Uh, such and such part has gone missing or it's delayed in some port or like the shipping port issue or so on like that can really uh, that's where you need a a great team of colleagues beside you to be like no worries we'll fit this around we'll move around schedules and and we'll get it for you you know that way and uh, like I have some great colleagues here some guys in in operations or or in my team or or my boss here like just like so much to learn from like you know where you look and like you're you're like like my boss here, uh, Elin. Like like you're a true expert in your field. Like really like, sh- and you're just like I have a long way to go. But if I can take uh, the key learnings from from you whilst I can, like in the time around, like uh, I would, uh, yeah, you know, it would really really stand to me in my career. Yeah, it's having that humility as well to want to learn, Gab. Because like an awful lot of us will come in and we go, okay, we have to hold our own here. We have to show our own value. And in doing that, we kind of go, no, 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 I got this. I got this. Instead of asking people, yeah. and that is the greatest thing that they can give you is that guidance and you know, sort of teaching you because they've forgotten more than we'll ever know about some of these things. You know. Yeah, I, and I think it's you know, it's when they have that huge experience to draw upon. Yeah, and I'm sort of coming in fresh face and trying to push boundaries, being like, I was thinking about doing this. 
and then they're like, yeah, we did that six years ago. And you're like, oh yeah, you're absolute. Of course you've did it. You know that way? Yeah. You're like, so it's that, okay. kind of, it's that kind of way where you need the humility to be like, okay. Yeah. Like, uh, you, need, you need to be ready to, to kill your darlings. You need to be ready to, that was a good idea, but uh, on to the next one. Or you need to be ready to be like, no, there's something in this and really fight for it. Yeah. You know that way? Like you, you need to know when to pick your battles and you need to know when you're like, this one isn't worth fighting for. Yeah. And uh, that's with the with experience. I, I'm getting there. Yeah, uh, I'm not there yet, but I'm I'm on the right road. Let's say. Well, I think that's the thing. It is. It's a journey. It's not a destination, really. You yeah, know. Exactly. Speaking of, of journeys and destinations, what was the difference when you were coming over here for Oral Flame first, and then you moved here and you became sort of part of the community here? I'm imagining that those two experiences were completely different. Did you know any of the Irish community here, like Kev O'Neill that you mentioned earlier on when you moved over? No, I knew absolutely no one except uh, a couple of guys in Oral Flame who had obviously met with meetings or so on. So, yeah. th- so they were. Um, were they Swedish lads or Irish lads or? Actually, uh, English and French, um, really, really nice guys. Still friends with all of them today. Uh, a lot of them have actually left Oriflame now as well. Mm. Um, a lot of just, you know, career transitions, but really nice guys. Like one of the guys, Phil, uh, really, really nice guy. You know, one of those, like, uh, I was only in the job uh, or relocated two, three weeks. I was like, do you want to uh, grab a coffee, blah, 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 and talk about it? And now me and him go to all the Sweden home games together. Yeah. Every soccer match at Sweden at home, we go together. Like, stuff like that are really nice. And then um, I reached out to the Gales on uh, on Instagram, um, sort of, I think it was around February or March. And there was initial, uh, there was, a, I don't know if you remember, there was a run organised for a charity. Good match plan, wasn't it? Yeah. yeah. And that was my first uh, time meeting anyone. And I was like, okay, uh, throw your gear bag in the boot. We're going running to Scarfneck. <laughs> I had run in about three months. And we like ran... Uh, it was 5k, I think, wasn't it? I think, but I think it worked around, around seven or eight, judging by the route we took. <laughs> following, got lost. Following Shawnee Donnelly and the lads. <laughs> um, but I have to say, it's one of those then, you know, you start making connections and uh, just meeting people in in a authentic organic way mm. and you're not going to be friends with everyone but like you get really really good friendships like uh, Kev O'Neill Willie McGrath I have to say is like one of the nicest men I've ever met in my life yeah like just was a, Willie here working for Bar B at the time was yeah he? and then he set up his own business yeah and it just just like complete gentleman like then when I was like moving apartments or whatever you know Kev would give you a hand like uh, he had a jeep at the time moving apartment we, he became a mover by the end of his trip. I think he helped every us, Saturday. Helped, helped him, I think he helped about four or five. Yeah, I think he helped one of the lads move twice or three times. Um, but then, like you know, you move apartment and you need to do some DIY and so on. Like, I'd ask Willie. Oh, Willie, could you give me a hand with this uh, on Saturday? But they're at nine a.m. Yeah, like ready to go. Like what, whatever you need. Tool belt like, on. Here no we go. No problem. Like, and the, they're friends you can't put a value on. Yeah, like they're like just genuine friends who just want to he- help you out. Yeah, and uh, it's little things like that that you, you begin to appreciate, or like that when, like those guys have got jobs now for their field or they've changed career paths, so those guys aren't here anymore. And then you're like, oh, like those friendships are hard to come by. Yeah, you know, and uh, that's when you you really have to. Uh, you really have to decide if it's like is Sweden really for me because they can uh, that can really sugarcoat it for you when you've great friends yeah. but then when those friends move on you're like oh, it's, it's a very different uh, community because you become so close knit you know yeah and there's all that risk there's always that risk of it being transient there's kind of two communities people like me have been here for two decades and then there's people who are here for two years right 
and we're used to that I'd almost compare it to grief sometimes when people leave like especially young people that you get close to and then they leave and sometimes they come back but most of the time when they're gone they're gone for good I haven't seen Willie now since after he yeah. set up his own business has he moved back to Ireland now he's living he? in Dublin now he's living in Dublin now brilliant bloke yeah. great rugby player yeah. out there for the Gales playing corner back in the Gaelic football team yeah. whatever you want yeah, and again like, like he would do anything for you absolutely anything yeah. Kev O'Neill the same his brother Joe yeah. who's now in London the same and uh, even if you're still in contact with them the fact that you can't see them every week and sit across a table the way we're doing now there's something difficult about that but does that mean then that do you change how you see relationships right because somebody was saying this to me uh, it's actually a jiu-jitsu coach that I work with and he was saying that when new people come in he doesn't go over to them he doesn't see it as it being his obligation I, I always try to make people feel welcome because I wanted to be there he's gone yeah but if they don't come back I'm after wasting my energy on them yeah no I and I would say like uh because we've all been in that situation. Yeah. And I've, I obviously listened to you uh, speaking with Dara about it. And I'm very close with Dara O'Carroll. Yeah. And uh, like that, like, uh, you know, I was like, you know, I sort of reached out to him like, oh, do you want to do like a uh, grab a drink or something like that? And then he's like, yeah, absolutely. Let's go. You know, that kind of way. And then like, uh, I've also been on the other side where like I lived in Shanghai before for a while. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I've also been that sort of uh, come in like a whirlwind six months and then left. Yeah. And you can see where people are like, Okay. Yeah, yeah, like you know right. that way. Yeah. Just came, get your money's worth, and leave. So I think in that instance, people are a bit cautious of in expat communities all over the world. It's yeah. not just uniquely to Stockholm or Sweden. Um, but I do think, um, yeah, like almost Dara said, putting in a bit of effort will go a long way. Yeah, it will stand to you, and it's not easy. Don't get no. me wrong, especially if you're a naturally quiet person, or you know maybe uh, you suffer a bit, you know, with uh, groups of people or anxiety or something. It's not easy to put yourself out there. Definitely isn't, yeah. and everyone is different. But uh, it will pay off for you in the long run. But for me, I think, um, yeah, till I I do value my time, so I'm not uh, the first person. And people will tell you this. I'm not the first person to run out and be organising everything for everyone. Yeah. Um, but with my friends or whatever, I will do my best. But you're also there. But when all these things happen, you're there, right? Remember when you were injured last year and the Stockholm Gales soccer team were playing the first. You were the first man on the sideline, you know, when that was happening. And the same thing with any of these sporting things, or if there's some cultural going on that you want to be there, you, you are there as part of it, you know. So maybe not sort of leading the line. And um, where do you see? your future as being now because I can see from talking to you this morning it's like you know you're loving this job right yeah. is this what you do you want to take over here do you want to be the guy who's running this place in 20 years that, that's a big ambition to take over absolute uh, the people from absolute <laughs> you can stop listening now <laughs> yeah, exactly. he's gonna go nuts um, no but I love to grow with the brand yeah for sure like for me like a, a creative person uh, really like to push it but also the business acumen of it yeah. really makes it uh, really interesting for me and I'm actually quite lucky the the CFO here is an Irish guy and uh, like uh, he's one of those where like just uh, like we never met each other before I joined working here and yeah. he's quite you know he's a prep but like he's like just keep pushing just yeah. keep pushing he's like you're doing the right stuff like and just those little words of encouragement go a long way yeah or like uh, like like that just like so yeah like it's not the uh, I don't need people praising me or anything like that, but there's nothing like after a, a very tough project where you've done a good few late nights or anything where someone just gone, do you know what? That worked out well. Like yeah. that's a, like that. I think people uh, people resonated a lot with stuff like that, and especially for someone in his position, in his role, who has kind of very little interaction with me. I would interact with the guys in his team, yeah, um, and like we would work together. But like for example, a CFO does never need to speak directly with the 
an innovation manager like he would speak with my boss or my boss's boss but for him to just be like oh yeah that 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 uh like uh, w- we're joking about something like looking for a budget or something he's like oh but it looks good you know like those little words are like uh, you know uh, they stay with you because um, like that when stuff is really tough you really uh, appreciate people who just reach out and be like yeah that that's yeah. that that's coming good you know I think it's very important as well especially in those more senior positions to build people up because by him saying that to you then that gives you the courage to go and to do different things it gives you the courage to, to do them wrong, you know, to fail because you know, okay, hold on, this guy actually thinks I'm good at something, you know. So yeah. the fact that I got this wrong, that's not who I am. That's just something that went wrong, kind of thing. You exactly. Know? And and yeah, you need to be like I'm not saying willing to make mistakes, but mistakes happen. Uh, you just need to mitigate them. Like for example, of course, we're not talking life and death situations here. Let's say we're talking about how an ink looks on a bottle. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, I made a mistake. That doesn't look great there. Or yeah. I got that color wrong. Or blah blah blah. But if you're open and honest and hold your hand up, like especially in uh, here, like I love the fact where I'm like, I'll just go straight into my boss and be like, got this one wrong. Like, I, th- I don't think this works. What do you think? And like that, you're, you're talking to someone who's seen everything. Yeah. Like, yeah, you're right. It is. doesn't look great. But I think we know how we can fix it or what we can do. Or, you know, we work with some of the best design agencies in the world. Yeah. Like, and, and you just go straight in and you're like, you know, you, we've been working on this project for three months. This didn't really work out the way I wanted to. What do you recommend? And you're talking to some of the best designers out there, and they're yeah. like, "I totally see what you mean. Let's sit down. Let's go through it." And um, and they'll find a solution with you. Yeah, exactly. It's 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 all a big team. Yeah. Uh, and that's like uh, there's no finger pointing. Ultimately, everyone wants to deliver really good products. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I will take that throughout my career, like even from the early stages, from from smaller companies now to this very big company. Uh, yeah, you, like it's the biggest learning. I was like, you just sometimes, and it, I actually struggle when people don't do it. But like, you need to hold your hands up and just admit, like, you get it wrong. Yeah, everyone makes mistakes. Well, that's the other thing. Is like when you've held your hand up and said, "Look, I did that wrong." What what more can people say? Well, you shouldn't have done that. Well, I know. I just said that. Like, and and I think that that's the biggest one. But especially uh, people in at the early stages of their career. Yeah, you need to let them make mistakes. That's the whole point. Like, yeah. like you, you won't learn. Like, it doesn't matter what it is, whether you're putting together a PowerPoint and it doesn't look great or you're designing something and it doesn't have the effect you want or you're it's it's a drink you're making and it doesn't taste good. Like, okay, we didn't get it right. Back to the drawing board here. You know, like, of course, we don't want to get to a stage where we launch it and it's out on the market and it's not good. Yeah, that was terrible. Yeah, But in the development phase, it's like this is why you have rounds of uh, review and Mm. and, you know, process and and going through stuff because ultimately you want to get these people to where they want to get in their career yeah and uh, th- that's like I I actually really enjoy people managing and, and trying to get people up and I, I actually don't do it here but we have junior people in the team that I try to be just like if there's anything I can do to help yeah like whatever it is even if it's non-work related like just drop by like my and we'll, we'll go through it like you, people in other teams so there's other brands here as well like Kalua Coffee Liqueur and Malibu yeah. Rum mm-hmm. they're also based here and uh, like so we, we bounce ideas off each other like oh we'll go to the guys in Malibu we're like I'm thinking about doing this you've done something like that in the past yeah. but you know like there's, there's real experts mm-hmm. so like uh, you need to be willing to, to share does it surprise you that you're so willing to help other people now would the Gavin of you know 23 years old have done the same thing and been that supportive do you think I, I would say yeah I grew up very quick I got very mature at a very young age uh, just due to my childhood and stuff like that so I've always been willing to uh, to sort of collaborate and stuff maybe I tried to collaborate without t- 
the experience, which yeah. was a bad thing, trying to help people without actual life experience behind me. But um, uh, yeah, I've always been like, I really enjoy working in teams and uh, like having the crack along the way. Yeah. Like work is serious enough. You don't need to uh, make it more serious. Yeah. Like there's, you know, a few months ago there, there we had a lot of changes in our team and there, we were just actually two of us in the team. And uh, me and uh, the other girl in the team, Clara, like, just had great crack. We were, like, under lots of pressure, delivering lots of projects. But it was just, like, you know, this only, is it. it's only the two of us and our boss, so let's just uh, do our best. And, like, laughing and joking and at the desks and trying to help each other out and spotting things that we can fix. And, uh, like, you know, you have to make the best of the situation. Yeah, there's only so much you can do, so there's no point in going nuts. Like, you know? Literally, and and that's every company in every role. You, yeah. it's, it goes through waves of, like, super busy, super quiet. Like everyone, you know, coming into Christmas or pre-summer holidays now will be busy. And then July will be super quiet in Sweden. And then in France, August will be super quiet. Yeah. So, you know, so you need to, like, you know, when it's when the pressure's on, deliver. And when it's quiet... Make the most of it. Yeah, and, and, and get, the, get the balance right. Like, that's... That's modern careers, and you see a lot of people. And I'm probably one of the worst. Like, yeah, really close to burnout. Like, yeah, and uh, especially now in our generation, it's really bad. Like, yeah. It's really, really bad. Um, but yeah, it's trying. It's trying to get that balance, and I'm far from getting that balance. I'm the guy who works on Saturdays and Sundays if I want. Yeah, like, but uh, that that's my objective that I need to try and learn from to yeah. to switch off and blah blah blah. But it's not easy. But uh, if you can keep that in the back of your mind while you're working at it I think it's a good uh, yeah. you know a good opportunity to improve yeah. you mentioned there that it's um, you ended up having to mature very quickly as a young person was there anything specific behind that or was it just something that happened in your youth just just, just uh, uh, a challenge in childhood my parents died when I was a kid and uh, so we just we moved around a lot lived on the north side of Dublin lived on the south side of Dublin had to swap schools and uh, just my, my parents just suffered uh, heart attacks and uh, so me and my brother, there's only two of us, we just had to uh, adjust and change quite quick. Um, and we lived with aunts and uncles and we're just very lucky. We had a very uh, amazing extended family. So we went and lived with them and then, uh, yeah, sort of put ourselves, uh, you know, through school. Well, my aunt and uncles really, like it really helped us and helped us uh, put a lot of emphasis on education and a lot of emphasis on um, doing what you want to do. Like they were, they were really awesome. Like my brother is this unbelievable. Uh, we call him Facto. You would love him. He knows every fact about football ever, and a really talented athlete. Like I don't have a patch on him. He's my height, but like, GA was in all the Dublin teams all the way up junior, and then just quit. Just like don't play anymore. Then then uh, we went to a rugby school in Temple Oak. Never played until he was fifteen. Picked up the ball straight in the first team. Yeah. Like ju- just one of these like. Uh, never played soccer because he played when he quit the GEA started playing soccer at 15 immediately trials for Pats like just this type but and now he's like an architect married just had a baby six months ago I've never been happier for him like just the two of us had to grow up really quick you know and uh, so from an early age um, we uh, we just had to uh, evolve quickly and understand that we were now we were never out on our own yeah but uh, like there's no backup plan. Like, for example, if Sweden doesn't work out for me, it's not like I move home to mom and dad's. That's not there. I don't yeah. have that option. Yeah. So I, I, wherever I go or whatever I do, I have to make it work. Um, so that's where I, I push myself to, to, to get the best uh, life that I can get for myself. 
But, but that can work in two ways, Gavin, because you can either feel that you're at the edge of a precipice the whole time or you can feel this burning desire inside you. Which do you feel? It's uh, it's ambition, like uh, I'm uh, like to a to a fault, like I because I think and it's not a it's not a woe is me story. Like uh, I've an amazing family. My aunts and uncles, their kids are like my brothers and sisters. Talk to them nearly every day. I have a cousin Tom who like is like like another big brother to me great guy speaks to me all the time and just always like just checking in on me and stuff and I love that um, but my ambition is like oh like um, uh, you know I want this for myself in life I want to experience these things and just because I didn't have uh, maybe the childhood that other people have it also doesn't mean everyone else's childhood is perfect like there's people so many people like and like there's people way worse off than me like yeah. unbelievably so there's lads like I'm really good friends with Sean Donnelly here yeah and like he's had some serious challenges in his life yeah. and it's just like that's you know th- that's just life like life isn't easy it's yeah. just what you make of it like and so you just have to push yourself and uh, like I like that along the way like you meet good people like Sean like yourself and you're just like you know you make good friends and you honour it and and you appreciate what you have and then if you're like me, you push for more. <laughs> and uh, that more could be anything. More could be seeing the world. More could be uh, learning new stuff. More could be trying to be the best person you can be or educate yourself or whatever it can be. Like, you know, there's, uh, there's a lot out there. It's just how much you're willing to go get it. Like. After all those years ago, it's not, it's not that long ago now, but you squeeze a lot into the meantime. Uh, Flame say to you, do you fancy moving to Sweden? You go, yeah. You wanted maybe New York or maybe London instead at that point. Now it's been Sweden. Is this where you see your future now? Or do you see it, you know, you talked about absolute having short, medium, long-term goals. When you look at that and the ambition that you have and the drive that you have, where do you see yourself in five or 10 or 15 years? I live in the short term. So I live one to three years. That's it? Yeah, I can't look past it. Um, and just, I think that's also due to my childhood. I look short term, uh, not but like one to three years, so like what I want to do in the next year and what I want to do within three years. Beyond that is anyone's game. Yeah. Like, you know. No hostages to fortune, nothing like that. No, but like, you, you know, you, you just never know what could happen. Like, uh, people get sick, people get uh, blah, blah, blah. People move around the world, so. They meet, they have children, they exactly. get different so, offers. So, yeah. you, so you, just, you just never know what could happen. So for me, uh, like right now, I really just want to become an expert in developing stuff for Absolute. Like I really, I'm far from it. And I just want to be that, uh, it's a, it's an ambition. Like I don't think it's actually, uh, I, how do you say, it? I think I need to work at it a lot, but I want to be that go-to person yeah. where people are like, Gavin, I'm thinking about doing this. What do you think? Yeah, I want to be that. Per- and that's like in that sort of almost that supporting role where like, let's run it by him yeah. like, and let's see what he thinks or yeah, I know he'll know that'll be Gavin exactly yeah. and uh, like uh, and want to do some really cool stuff like here like we do like limited editions and stuff and I want to be really proud of the products I'm putting out there and people like for example if you pick up the phone to me like Gav I saw that latest bottle did you have a hand in that one do you know that or like yeah. I'm hearing uh, I'm hearing some flavour just launched in uh, in New York as a limited edition I'm hearing crazy stuff on uh, True Reuters or True whoever were you involved in it like yeah and we made it in this small Aarhus and it went in a ship and like that's really cool to me like I, I like that uh, that outlook on stuff and then in the interim if I can play some soccer with some of the lads and play some GA and 
explore some of Sweden and explore some of the world in the interim. Yeah, it's a good balance for me. I think I once heard somebody say that I've seen the world and the world has seen a little bit of me and I think that might describe where Gavin Boland is heading. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, uh, like there's a lot of the world I haven't seen a lot. Like, I'm very... Uh, I've, like, I've only lived in two or three countries. China, Sweden, Ireland, mainly it. Um, but, like, there's a lot, like I've, there's a lot of uh, Southeast, Southeast Asia. I'd love to see Vietnam come out. Never been. Yeah. Uh, a lot of... I've done America like every tourist. New York, California, Florida. I've been on roller coasters and in Times Square. <laughs> but do you know what I mean? That's it. That's America right but there. Like, like, uh, like I'm a huge Green Bay Packers fan. Really want to go to Wisconsin this year. Really want to see a game. Like, really want to do like Route 66 yeah. uh, like I've been to Buenos Aires and uh, I've seen like Boca and all these areas but like I was a lot younger I want to go back again and it's like it's a lot of the world I really like to see and if I can do that tied with my career yeah. I think that's amazing I love uh, travelling with work and like what you said like getting your ear to the ground seeing what customers want and if you can tie that into also seeing some beautiful parts of the world it's uh, it's a great opportunity so yeah um, Covid has changed a lot of that for travelling with work. Uh, you know as well as I, uh, it's a it's a big thing now. Uh, everything is remote, which I think you you lose a lot of the personal connection. Yeah. But I hope, uh, I think in a few years there will be a balance again. I think there's big like Zoom, Microsoft Teams exhaustion. Yeah, yeah. Like just taking meetings all day, looking I, at I a screen. I got an invite last night. It's like, oh, not another one. You know, you God. Know, you know, like where you're just like, like, and that's that's modern. That's modern office working. But uh, yeah, going from eight in the morning till six, just in and out of Zoom calls or looking at screens in meeting rooms because one person decided to work from home. Yeah. And that's that's their right too. You know, it's quite flexible. But yeah. it's it's tough talking to a screen all day. Yeah. Connecting up your AirPods and blah blah. You're like. Do you know what? I'd love to just. We're here by the water in Stockholm. Yeah. I'd love to just go for a walk and with a coffee and just talk about what we're doing. Or even if it's just go for a walk, it's very like even if you're working from home, you're like I have a call in twenty minutes. So, yeah, you yeah. Know, It's not. Uh, it's not as free as you think it is. No, that's the thing. So a uh, nice balance will be good. Nice balance will be good. Gavin, it has been fascinating. And if you do have any limited editions or anything else like that, come back onto the Irish and Sweden and podcast. But for now, thanks very much for talking to me. Thank you very much, Phil. Our tradition started in 1879 with this guy. It's crafted here in the small town of Ohu, Sweden. We make our vodka with passion. It's a legacy that continues today. Every bottle comes from the same place, made the same way, with the same care. Because it's the passion of your absolute nights that inspires our absolute quality. Here you go, and look at a snippet from an old absolute vodka ad from a couple of years back before Gavin was working with them. A fascinating character and an absolutely brilliant place to work by the looks of things. It's just an amazing setup and how everything sort of follows the brand and the different colours and that kind of thing. I find all that sort of stuff fascinating. But um, as they do say, drink responsibly, boys and girls, drink responsibly. That is almost it for this week. I believe there's another Gaelic football tournament coming up in Copenhagen now. It's going to be hosted by the Hildenrad Club. Uh, I think it's the 17th of June. So there's a lot going to be going on down there. Not sure I'll make that myself because my eldest daughter is graduating from high school that week and uh, her grandmother's going to be over from Ireland and that kind of thing. But if you hear about going on out there, do let me know especially now coming up to midsummer and that kind of thing there's going to be plenty of events before things quiet down a little bit so if there's that you're up to with your sports club if there's that you're doing in the arts or music if you've an album out a book coming i don't know uh, just yeah feel free to let me know 
And of course, I'm always looking to speak to anybody who's involved in, in academia or in business or that kind of thing as well. So uh, don't be afraid. Don't hide your talent under the bushel, as they say in the Bible. Get your hand up there and tell me and get in touch with me. And uh, I'll come and meet you or we'll meet you on Zoom or that kind of thing. And uh, we'll get it sorted out because, as I say, this is a community-supported podcast. Supported by the Irish Chamber of Commerce in Sweden. Supported by the wonderful Martin Hessian at Veerstrom's Pub. Community podcasts only exist because the community do. That means it only exists because you do. Uh, I've really enjoyed bringing this episode to you. I really enjoy bringing every episode to you. So uh, in the meantime, take care of yourselves. Take care of one another. And sure, I'll talk to you all again next week on the Irish and Sweden podcast. <laughs>